Hello, everyone, and welcome to the College Parent Podcast. My name is Cody Klein. And my name is Keaton Smith, and we want to thank you for joining us today. On today's episode, we'll be interviewing a whole host of people and discussing some advice for parents about what they should never do while supporting their college student. Let's go ahead and dive in. Our first guest today is Joe Mankowski, and he is an assistant director of fitness and recreation. So when I think about the question of what parents shouldn't do for their college students, it's kind of a tricky question. But I think to me, the number one thing coming from my field working in fitness and recreation and kind of centered around the wellness conversation is is I think parents should never assume that their kids are prioritizing their wellness. And I know that sounds maybe weird. So let's explain that a little more. I think that we are seeing kids come to college with an increased level of wellness literacy. So they're coming, a lot of these high school kids have personal trainers. They may be personal trainers. They're on sports teams. The conversation of mindfulness and mental emotional wellness is trickling down and hitting a younger and younger age. And a lot of that I think centers around the availability of uh, technology and just the messaging that a lot of these kids are seeing from people who are talking to them. You see increasingly more, uh, pop stars and influencers having open and honest conversations about wellness. And these kids are now bringing that to college with them, which is great. And it creates a, a, an opportunity for dialogue, for honest and authentic conversation to say, hey, I'm not doing well. But I think sometimes, and I think to my experience, I think sometimes it's easy to hide behind pride or hide behind your ego, as especially as a freshman college kid and, and coming to you know, our campus and maybe other campuses around the country, you might be going six, seven hours away from home. For me, there was a level of pride that, you know, I'm here, I'm going to do it on my own. I don't need anybody. Like, I got this. When you're in that position, it's really easy to hide behind that bravado and say, like, I'm fine. I don't need help. I'm being well. I'm doing my thing. But because kids are coming in with increased level of wellness literacy and, and knowing what wellness looks like, I think parents should never assume that that is the case. I think they should never assume that kids are coming in and they are doing what they need to do to be well across various dimensions. And when I speak to that, I speak to mental and emotional well-being. I speak to physical well-being and, and talking about exercise or being active, not even going to work out. But like, are you getting out of your room and getting sunlight? Because, you know, that's kind of a big thing. Think about intellectual wellness. Are you studying? And are you studying well? Like not just, you know, are you opening the book every now and then, but you've also got Netflix on in the background and your roommate's shouting and you've had like 18 cups of coffee so you can't really focus because you're jittering the whole time. Think about occupational wellness. Think about, you know, if you have a part-time job as a student, are you creating boundaries and working and and investing in that experience for the professional and, and positional development you could experience there but not doing it so much that it takes away from your other things. And so there's so many different aspects of each individual, of each college student. I think parents should never assume that their kids are prioritizing their wellness the way they should. I mean, that is such a big thing for us in our department is, you know, when you get to college, you need to make time to be active. You need to make time to recover. We're seeing, you know, we see so many kids come to college who are high achievers, who are passionate individuals and and want to get the best internship or have the best resume and get the best grades. And it just creates a pressure cooker of stress and potentially anxiety and unfortunately, potentially depression on the back end of that. And, you know, those are three of the biggest things that are students on our campus. And I would imagine students at other campuses, uh, why they go seek uh, counseling with our, with our colleagues over here. And so 
I think the more we can help students proactively combat stress, anxiety, and depression through prioritizing their wellness and their well-being, whether that be meditating, talking to somebody, working out, being honest and transparent, I think that the, these kids will only be more likely to succeed. And so I think that's one of the big things. I think parents should never assume that their kids are prioritizing their wellness and that they are practicing well-being. Other than that, and, and it's kind of a, a tricky sword because you also don't want to be the helicopter parent who's calling every week and being like, hey, have you gone for a walk? Hey, have you gone for a walk? Hey, have you gone for a walk? But I'd, I would almost say I would rather you be that person than the person who just assumes I've got it. Because if you're the person who's saying you might not have it and I'm going to keep pushing and I'm going to keep pushing, when it does break, when, when that student has that moment of challenge or that moment of uncertainty, I think they are now more equipped to talk to their parent and be honest and open rather than having to be like, hey, remember for like the last three months when I said I was doing great and I was thriving and everything was awesome? Turns out that was all a lie. Then there's almost this bigger perceived loss. There's this bigger perceived, there's this bigger friction and frustration that takes place because now it's like, hey, I'm undoing uh, three months of goodness or three months of great success and three months of great progress rather than saying like, you've been consistently part of the conversation and saying, are you doing this? Are you doing this? Are you doing this? Are you doing this? So I would say never assume that they're, they're prioritizing their wellness and, and always kind of uh, on the flip side, push them to, uh, to make time for that, to get outside, to engage with other people and to be open and honest about their, their uh, feelings and emotions. Now we have Marin Bishop, an assistant director of student care and support here at Belmont University. Marin, take it away. Oh, hey, thanks for having me on. I appreciate being with you. And what you all are talking about in this episode about things that parents shouldn't do hits home um, for me and kind of the world in which I work, but also just previous experiences with some of my friends when we were in college. So I think it's a great topic to talk about. Some of the things that I mentioned to parents as I work with them, because I work with a little bit of everybody, parents, students, faculty members, but parents especially I work with quite a bit, are some of the things just to think about maybe the nots to do. So one of the things that I always start off with is don't assume that you and your student are on the same page about the college experience, what they want versus what you want. There are some students who go, I have one major that I want to focus on. I don't care about extracurriculars. I'm going to maybe get a part-time job and that's what they want to do. There are other students who want to do all of the things. They want to double major. They want to do all the extracurricular activities and rush for a sorority, you name it, they want to do it. And sometimes what I see are students and parents that have different ideas where parents will say, well, if I'm paying for school, I want you to do X, Y, and Z. That can sometimes lead to some conflict if you don't have a conversation ahead of time just to go, these are the type of things that I want to do, or I might want you to at least try out and see how you like them because maybe I found them beneficial in college or in one of the information sessions, somebody mentioned this and it seems like it could be a good idea. But if you can have some conversations just so that way you're on the same page, 
that can be really helpful and avoid some conflicts further down the road because you kind of have an idea of what your student's looking for and maybe some of the things that if your student's naturally naturally a little bit more introverted, you might push them or nudge them a little bit to help them with that. And some of the things that a student might later think about that can be really helpful would be some of the extracurriculars related to their major. That again, would be kind of a natural nudge that a parent could help them shift to, but it's always good to try to be on the same page where you know you can kind of help encourage your student because you know your student better than we do. And so if they're very much like, no, I feel a little too overwhelmed. I just want to focus on this right now. That's okay because that can shift. That can change. Their expectations for their college experience will change a little bit as they go further along. And it's good just to keep having those conversations. Like that's going to be an ongoing dialogue between you and your student regarding just what they want to do. They'll get a crazy idea or what seems like a crazy idea and you guys will have to talk about it or vice versa. Um, But it's always good for a parent to know what their student wants and for the student to have an idea of, okay, what do my parents maybe want me to try to explore or just operate on? Or even down to like what major. I've worked with some students that their parents have had very specific ideas about what major they should be. And that's led to some conflict because what I don't want to be an accounting major. Numbers don't make sense to me, but they're a fantastic writer and public speaker. So something like a communications or public relations major could really make sense and utilize their strengths in a different way. So those conversations are always good to have. Now, some of the other things that, you know, I kind of say, don't ignore the different elephants in the room. And with college, there are sometimes multiple elephants in the room, like, let's be honest. So one of them that I always encourage parents, don't ignore or procrastinate with the money conversation. Know your budget for what you can afford to pay for college for your student. Does the student need to help contribute to those expenses. And maybe that looks like if they want any spending money for, you know, going out and having fun or, you know, extra things beyond just books and tuition and room and board, they need to contribute to. So the, but money is a conversation that most of us don't always feel comfortable having, but the families that have that conversation earlier and are on the same page with each other, it really helps them out a lot because they're not having that conversation over text message or attempting to FaceTime with your student when they're in a busy dorm lobby. And again, everyone's on the same page. There aren't any surprises. And it can be a little scary as a parent to have that conversation because that's really, that's a major conversation that's indicating the relationship between the parent and the child is starting to evolve and it's becoming more of this adult child, which is kind of how I think of college students. You're still a child because your parents are helping you pay for college often, but you got this little taste of freedom. So you've got your student has one foot out the door, but one foot in the door. So they're, they're in this kind of awkward, somewhat clumsy adult child phase. And that can be complicated and awkward for everybody because some of these different conversations like money, you know, students are like, well, I'm off on my own doing my own thing. 
and they want to, you know, cut loose. And then parents are like, yeah, but this is kind of still our budget of what we can do. So I can't have you go spending all this money in the first two weeks of school. And that was your food budget for the semester, which I've seen happen. So (laughs) that's why I always caution just to say, even though it might be a little awkward, have that conversation. So that way, again, everybody knows what to expect and kind of what can happen there. And if a student goes, well, I want to get like a part-time job on campus, they can figure that out and kind of know maybe how many hours they need to work to make that realistic. Now, the other elephant in the room that I encourage parents and students to talk about is clear expectation for communicating. Once your student is at school, how often are you going to communicate? What does that look like? So I have some parents that they want a daily proof of life text, as I like to call it, which is basically a text from your student checking in just to go, hey, dad, I'm okay. Have a good day. Love you. Bye. And then I have other families that go, you know, I know you're busy. You're kind of doing your thing. Let's plan on a set time once a week where we're going to do a video chat or a phone call. And so one works well for a family. The other might not work well for your family. And each one is okay. It's just what you all agree to ahead of time. Because what I wind up seeing sometimes are parents going, I haven't heard from my child in a week. And they are freaking out, like assuming the worst because your parental instinct kicks in and you're thinking, my something's happened because I haven't heard from them. And then we wind up checking on them and the student's like, oh no, I'm fine. I just have been busy. Like I've been doing all the things that we talked about and I wanted to try. I just forgot to call or text mom or dad. And so setting some of those expectations in advance can be really helpful. And then if things shift, okay, cool. Like you kind of make plans and it's a good way again, for everybody to be accountable because we've got this check-in process, or even if it's just a quick conversation, it's still, okay, everything is good. The other communication conversation that I encourage parents to have with their students is designating when your student needs to maybe have event session. And that's okay too, um, because sometimes what I've seen are students that in between classes, they're upset about something. They call their parent, leave a just upset voicemail, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this professor and I got this grade and it's not fair. And they vent, they get it out and they're like, okay, mom, got to go to class. Bye. Mom gets that message 15 minutes later and goes, oh my gosh, my student is like, off the wall, super upset, like they sound like not in a good place. And they panic, especially when their student who's in class doesn't answer the phone, doesn't respond to text. And then all of a sudden that parental response is, okay, I've got to call somebody. Somebody's got to check on them. Like there could be something really wrong. When in fact, the student probably is like, oh, I vented. I got it off my chest. I'm good. Um, And everything is fine. And so Sometimes it can be helpful for parents to kind of say, okay, let's talk about how we want to handle that. Like if you've got like a vent, you send that to me in a text. Or if you're going to call me and you get my voicemail, leave at the beginning of it, I'm just venting. I'm okay. So that way it's not all of a sudden I've got this huge thing. I'm super upset. Click by. I've had that happen before where parents have called in really panicked and it's like, oh my goodness, you know, we, we can find out. And the students later, once we get a hold of them are like, 
oh no, I was okay. I was just venting. And I was like, well, mom didn't know that. So she like sounded the alarm because she was really worried. Then I, you know, often suggest to the families at the point, maybe have a conversation, like set some ground rules for that and what that conversation looks like. The other thing that I want parents to think about and for parents to know is don't ignore your gut. If your gut is telling you something, that parental spidey sense, as I sometimes like to call it, if your gut's telling you something is off about your student, don't ignore it. Now, some parents and their students, their relationship is such where they can have a conversation. They talk about different resources and things to, that they need to do, and they kind of resolve it in family amongst themselves. Other times, parents need help, even knowing what's available at their student school, because they're like, I kind of sort of remember stuff from orientation but I didn't think we were going to need that office or that resource, but I know they probably have something available. In that situation, a parent can always reach out to their school. They're going to have a dean of students office or a student life or student affairs office. Those are always a great place to start if you're not sure what is available for your student in terms of campus resources. We'd like to welcome Ryan Holt, Director of Student Engagement here at Belmont, and he is going to tell us a little bit about his perspective on what college parents should never do when supporting their student. Ryan, take it away. Hello, everyone. Thanks for uh, having me. Uh, you're all excited to talk about you. So, uh, well, first of all, I always want to say I am not a parent of a college student. So I will say that uh, we do have a one-year, me and my wife have a one-year-old Baby, though, so we're dip, dipping our toes in. Feels a long ways away, but uh, it's uh, been a journey, and I have more empathy for uh, college parents. But I will say, part of my job is I work in our, I oversee our orientation program, and so with that job, I get to help parents as they transition into Belmont. And one thing I always say is, as the uh, transition goes for parents, so goes for students. How the parents actually handle the transition impacts the way the students do. So. I always uh, talk about that and really value the role of parents in the transition. So my one piece of advice would be this. Don't try skipping steps. What I mean by that is I think back to when I was in college back in the day, my freshman, my roommate, my freshman year, uh, we got along great for the first month. And then as the semester went on, I felt like, you know, we both kind of started realizing, oh, I don't love the way they uh, study at night, or I don't love the way how they invite other friends over, or I don't love the way how they clean. And so what's tempting as parents is to what I'll call push the eject button. You jump in, you say, hey, let me take you out of that situation and put you in a more comfortable situation. And so you do what I call skipping steps. So if it uh, wasn't for my freshman roommate, I honestly think I would have been a worse roommate when I graduated college and got two other roommates. And then when eventually when I got married, having that freshman roommate and learning how to have the hard conversations, learning that, hey, people do things differently, weirdly made me a better husband. I had a little bit more empathy and a little bit more patience because I learned that along the way. As I talk when I'm talking with students, uh, you know, you can't learn to play a play Mozart until you learn how to play a scale, or you can't take calculus until you learn how to add or subtract, or you can't lead 10 people until you learn how to lead three people. And so a lot of times as parents, I think we want to skip the steps in the moment. We say, hey, let's just take people out of this situation. Let's remove them from the learning that's taking place instead of have them kind of push through, dig into the hard parts of life, which really prepare them to be adults, which we all want. We want uh, our 
sons and daughters to be kind, to be uh, competent, to uh, be leaders. And so creating space for that um, learning is really important. And our next guest on the podcast is Ailea Hook. She's the Director of Development and Parent Engagement at Belmont University. Let's see what she has to say. You know, in my years in higher ed, one thing that I have learned uh, in my interactions with parents and even with their students is never discourage them from their true passions. Some parents we find are afraid that their students won't succeed if they're not following in mom and dad's footsteps or if they perhaps follow an unconventional path. Uh, I think that students truly struggle to succeed, to find their purpose, to thrive when they're forced to be someone other than themselves. So what I would say is do encourage your students to think about their future and how those passions can help provide the future they want. Uh, In my time in admissions, there were students who really wanted to pursue some creative avenues and parents were not on board. And so I would just encourage them, encourage your students. What is it that they are passionate about? Encourage them to explore and consider all of their options. Uh, Think about their skills, their abilities, their natural talents, their knowledge that they've learned throughout uh, their few years of life. And then how can you put all of those things together to help your student figure out how they can become strong, self-sufficient, positive and ethical contributors to society. It may not look exactly how parents think uh, because perhaps they're not following exactly in your shoes, but we find that as students are doing what they are passionate about and then pulling in their other knowledge, skills, abilities, natural talents, they are thriving uh, in ways that may be more unconventional. So I would say do not discourage your students from the true passions. And and another thing that becomes an issue with that is that uh, as parents, if you do discourage your students from doing what it is they're really good at or what they're passionate about, that could be harmful for your relationship with your student, which is not what you want. And honestly, even along those lines, I would go as far as to say, never make decisions for your student. Students like mature adults, they need to be able to make decisions that are meaningful to them. And then they need to learn to live with the consequences, whether good or bad, of the choices they've made. And I've seen that decision-making backfire, you know, when parents are doing that on behalf of their students, when it comes to things like uh, their college choice or choosing their student's major or choosing their student's extracurricular activities, who they should spend their time with, what time they need to be home at the end of the night. Eventually, students, uh, what I've found and what we see as we kind of, you know, get to know these students is that they end up, quote unquote, rebelling as they find themselves. And that's not what you want. And as students, quote unquote, rebel, what they're doing is becoming more distant from the people and the things that they felt were holding them back. And parents, you do not want that to be you. So I would say students and really young adults, they need to be able to take ownership of their college experience and of their own lives. And you have hopefully prepared them for this moment. So trust the training, trust the wisdom that you have imparted to them. Be available to pick them up when they fall, but do not by any means keep them from falling. Because honestly, if you deprive them of the fall, you're really depriving them of the victory and of the strength that comes from getting back up again. As we conclude this episode, we just want to thank Joe Mankowski, Marin Bishop, Ryan Holt, and Ilya Hook for joining us on this episode. Uh, stay tuned for our next episode, where we will be hearing from four more of our colleagues who have college students of their own. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been the College Parent Podcast, and we'll see you next time.